Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud. Get it automatically. You can like the podcast on Facebook, Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com or follow me on Twitter at Josh High False. Today's the last day to submit a video for the Philly Sketch Fest Film Festival. And if you want to help out and volunteer during Philly Sketch Fest in April, you can. All the information for both those things are at phillysketchfest.com. We are less than two weeks away from the Bechtel Test Fest. The lineup is posted and the tickets are available at bechtelfest.com. But first, today's guest is Chris McGee, the other half of Casey Masterpiece. I talked to Chris Hodge earlier this week. Chris McGee is today. Casey Masterpiece will be opening for Pleasure Blimp on February 23rd and 24th at the Philly Improv Theater. Chris's first sketch is about a first date that goes wrong. Chris McGee plays Blake. Chris Hodge reads as both Claire and the Mugger. Two different voices. You'll clearly know who's who. And I give you the visual information. So let's go to the sketch. Exterior in front of a downtown restaurant night. Blake and Claire, two 20-somethings, leave a restaurant. They are just finishing their first date. Blake is very cordial, holding the door open for Claire. Claire is smiling, showing interest in Blake. The date's going well. Blake is in the middle of telling a story. So I tell my brother Clark, that's not my spatula. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 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 that is so funny. Claire looks down at her feet hesitantly. She's trying to keep her cool. She feels that Blake might be the one. Blake continues to stare unwavering, smiling at Claire. His feelings are mutual. Claire, I'm really glad Susan set this up. This has been so so much fun. Would you like to do this again sometime? Of course, Blake. This was so much fun. Claire looks around and sees that a nighttime metropolis surrounding is a bit scary. Dead night silence is with distant echoes of sirens and stray animals can only be heard. Blake, seeing this as his chance to be the knight in shining armor to this damsel in distress, takes the opportunity to show his chivalry. Wow, it's it's dark out. Let me walk you to your car, milady. Claire smiles and reaches out to Blake's arm. She begin. They begin to walk down the street. Exterior sidewalk in front of an open alley. I realize downtown can be scary for a lady such as yourself, but don't worry. I've been taking judo and krav maga for like twelve years, <laughs> so I'm basically a certified badass. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Uh, good to know I'm walking with such a tough guy. As they pass the open alleyway, a mugger appears in, out of the shadows of the alleyway right in front of them. The mugger has one of those one of his hands in his pocket to signify he has a gun. Yeah, empty your pockets. Claire, out of fear, body clenches into Blake's side. Blake also becomes overwrought with fear. Ah, please don't hurt me. Blake pulls out his wallet as fast as he can. Claire, now incredulous of Blake's frightened demeanor, releases her grip off Blake. What are you doing? Use your badassery on him. Blake, frightened as a child, but realizing the circumstances of the situation, tries to put on a tough guy persona. What? Uh, oh, oh uh, right. Uh, hey there. Uh, hey there, Mr. Mugger. Uh, pre- prepare for, for, for your um, e- end. Blake gives a look of disgusted shame after that not-so-intimidating tough guy line. He then lunges at the mugger. Judo! 
The mugger steps to the side. Blake completely misses the mugger. Mid-lunge, the mugger grabs Blake by the neck from behind, turns Blake around, and then while holding one hand around Blake's shirt, proceeds to punch Blake with three direct blows to the nose. With Blake's head flailing back and flailing back and forth each time, the mugger then pulls up Blake's underwear from the back and rests his waist waistline of the underwear on a quarter of a kneel <laughs> on a corner of a nearby dumpster, suspending Blake in air. Claire is horrified at what she has seen. Blake, what the hell? Blake sobbing from the dumpster with a little blood coming out of his n- mouth. No, I'm fine. This is just the crying panda technique. <laughs> The mugger begins to pat down Blake's pockets. He pulls out a wallet and a set of keys. I think your boyfriend wet himself. Dude, come on. Blake, seriously? The dude. Do you drive a Toyota Tercel? <laughs> oh, man, that sucks. You said you drove a Mercedes. You're the worst. Why, why are you doing this? Oh, I'm the worst. I know you, Blake, right? You're the night clerk at the pawn shop around the corner. (laughs) Wouldn't exactly say the most noble of professions. Blake, you said you sold insurance. No, please no. For the love of God, please just don't even answer if it's true. Blake stares at Claire, wide-eyed and lost for words. He slowly crosses, he slowly closes his eyes, drops his head. I thought, I thought, um, <clears throat> we could get weird later. Blake, lose my number. Never contact me again. Claire storms off, leaving Blake with the mugger. After a short pause, the mugger then lifts Blake off the dumpster and sets Blake on his feet. Well, uh, <laughs> that didn't work. Blake punches the mugger in the shoulder. Damn it, Clark. I was supposed to pretend to hit you, and then you were supposed to run off. I thought I'd make it more real. Besides, who asked their own brother to set up a fake robbery to impress a girl only to wuss out while doing it? Well, it's very dark out, and I got scared. Seriously? They begin to walk away together. I'm telling Mom you hit me. Dude. Come on, I barely touched you. Hey, Chris. Hey. All right, so tell me where this idea came from. Uh, in late 2013, uh, I wanted to be a comedian. Okay. So I wrote a sketch to prove my worth just out of nowhere just like hey i'm gonna write something yeah i think i want it i was i think i can't i couldn't figure out from the timing if i was already taking improv classes or just uh or or like this is this was like the catalyst to maybe do it but i remember writing this and then like sending it to like everyone i knew just like check this out <laughs> look at me did you send out the first draft like is this the first draft or is this i saw this is i think this is draft two okay but like draft one i was sending it to co-workers that <laughs> i would barely qualify as friends just like no look at this i matter <laughs> um so what first off why are you sending to co-workers like i think because like 
wanted purpose. So it's just like, <laughs> look at me. I'm, I, I'm, I can be, I'm not, I'm not milk toast. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a not my nine to five rat race and then watch W E raw on Mondays <laughs> and then eat and eat. I, I, I don't eat butter noodles for dinner every night. <laughs> I have, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm cultured. But all those things were still true. Like. Oh, they're totally true. Like, <laughs> oh, I was so lame until about, I, I wouldn't even say I was funny until about like maybe two and a half years ago. Huh? Well, after I started doing comedy. Uh, so what, what were you into as a kid? What, what was your comedy fandom? Okay. I am totally, uh, not into the, uh, like I was a comedy nerd, but like, I wasn't like, I'm proud of my lameness growing up. Okay. Like it was this way. Like you talk to people now, they're kind of like, well, what's your comedy inspiration? People would be like, oh yeah, Steve Martin, uh, not so much Bill Cosby anymore. Right. And then, and then, like they'll be like, "Oh, uh, uh, the uh, the kids in the hall." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Yo, you know, I was listening to in 2005, Dan Cook and Carlos Mencia." Okay. Um, Immediately, right now, I can see both your faces. Like, <laughs> oh man, Chris, come on. It's hard because I, I understand Dan Cook because Dan Cook was a bit of a phenomenon. Like, I feel like he was one of the first guys that t- that took the internet and used it to his advantage and like yeah and made himself something big i can't really justify carlos mancia very much it's terrible (laughs) it was just racist joke stealing yeah just to be just full disclosure i was pretty much uh a big old (laughs) b-hole so about like maybe like right you can say bum hole okay (laughs) i was a big big old bum hole probably about two months before I met Hodge for the first time, <laughs> like, like just the worst person ever, and, um, and then and then I, I I got myself better. Did you ever listen to Carlos Mencia on WTF? Yeah, I did. The, yeah, the, there's a two episode arc where he where yeah. Mark Marin was so like unhappy with yeah his answers. He brought him back to it go was that, further. Like, it was like that and like the Gallagher episode that were like the two most pivotal right. things. And then like uh, with I I remember I did the same thing with Mark with that, that podcast. I was just like, man, he's a pretty good guy. Hey, good for him. And then like two days later, I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> hang on a sec. I remember watching this. Like he t- he totally just you know Kim Jong Il, <laughs> Mark Maron, just like I'm lovable. And then. Afterwards, we were like, "Oh, rascal, rascal." <laughs> uh, I think I, I don't think I listened to it right away. Like, I think I, I don't remember where I was. In my, like, I had discovered WTF. And I had been listening for a bit, but I had heard that this Carlos Mencia, and then he inter- and then Marin interviewed like three of his openers, and then Carlos came back and like it was like a, a full like storyline arc, which is just fascinating to me. Like. I think I like listened to them all straight through like a five hour like binge of podcasts. And I was like, wow, like this is crazy. Yeah. I mean, like even like the joke steal on the side, like just if you watch it now, like he's just making fun of like the mentally challenged. Yeah. With that dirt to dirt thing. Yeah. And then just pretty much like just uh, just making fun of anybody who's not white. Just just like just a 
punch him down. Yeah. And thanks to me get taking classes at the Philly Improv Theater, <laughs> I learned that that was wrong. <laughs> yep. Uh, you don't punch down. Don't punch down. You um, jerk. So Dane Cook and Carlos Mencia. I also are listen to Kid Rock. <laughs> He's. This is a comedy podcast. Deal with <laughs> it. Future senator from Michigan, oh, Kid yeah. Rock. <laughs> um, or at least I saw that art- article yesterday or the day before. I believe it. Uh, He's a dignified uh, gentleman. Look, <laughs> a lot of people today hit the drop. They're working class people at the drop. Like a thousand dollars just to pay for tickets for any concert, <laughs> and then they had to and they had to shell out a bunch of money for just a beer. What's Kid Rock do? What does Kid Rock do? <laughs> Subsidizes everything. You only pay like ten dollars for a show, and you pay like four dollars for his own beer or bourbon. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You didn't know that? Because because no. Kid Rock's nice. Kid Rock. I know he had cheaper like cheaper concert tickets than a lot of people, but see that that's how. I didn't uh, know about the beer and bourbon part. See, see, that's how that's how that's how people in politics and people like that uh, win in the world. Yeah, kind of just go like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be nice to the working people. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen did it first. Yeah. Now, Kid Rock. <laughs> Don't put those two together. <laughs> the Cowboy and the Boss Tour, 2020. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> All right, so. Back to Dane Cook and Carlos Mencia. <laughs> <laughs> and your horrible choice in slightly post-millennial stand-up comics. Um, what, like, what about TV shows or, like, sitcoms? Like, were there anything that, like, really jumped out to you? Or or was it all stand-up for you? Like, have you ever seen that sh- that one show, uh, Saturday Night Live? No. Oh, it's, it's on late. The one that's the entire basis of my yeah. life at this point. <laughs> Uh, you know, so, like, you but know, Tenant Live was a yeah. You know, like you when I I'm like 28. I, I am no wait, no, I'm 29. Okay, yeah, I always forget that. Anyways, so like I grew up watching SNL. When did when you start watching? Like, like, like when I was a kid. You know, everyone has that thing. It's like, oh, my parents let me stay up a little late. Oh, my dad gave me a sip of beer. Oh, and then, but so I'm assuming the first class you saw would have been like the Will Ferrell. Like before that, like it was like just around the time like David Spade. And so okay, so that's like, like early '94. Yeah, Chris Farley and whatnot. And then, uh, I and then like you know, and then like you grow up watching, like you grew up, I grew up, and then with the whole like Will Ferrell era yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, sure. Uh, I I would, yeah, you know, I I did that, and then the probably, and then in. 2004, 2005, I I live in Pittsburgh. Uh, that's where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what was it called? Uh, um, Patton Oswalt, Brian Posehn thing. The comedians comedy. Yeah, they came to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and I saw that when they were like live, live. You know, just want to drop that. Pretty cool. Uh, like just before they got all famous, I was like, so, wait. Yeah, I saw them. So if you were a fan of. Dane Cook. I'm and, eclectic. And Carlos Mencia. How do you get to the comedian's comedy? Because I feel like they're like, like the, here's the thing. Two separate. You audiences. can like both things. Like I could. I like caviar, and have you actually pizza. eaten caviar? I think. Because <laughs> I have. Uh, okay, so you. All right, so you do have a a bit of a better I, sensibility like, of comedy. With yeah, I just have Patton and I just Hussain have a and, very giant breadth of everything let me this yeah. way i i can spit out 
like the like my my love and appreciation for you know Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, and then you know just I don't know where like or like and then anybody that's I don't know like underground like uh, Rolling Stones or whatever you know. <laughs> anyway, so like I, I was, but music, but guess what? <laughs> guess what? Huge fan of ABBA. <laughs> Huge fan of ABBA. Did I see Mamma Mia when it was in theaters? Yes. Did I see it with my gal pals? Yes. Was I the giddiest one? Yes. Uh, which one was True the, story. Which one was the bad singer of the guys? Like, I remember one of the big things I remember from that movie is that the one guy is It was James awful. Bond. It was, it was Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. He was sing. the uh, – what? Uh, I can't even do that reference. I don't even know that. Yeah, I don't know the character names. So it won't help, but I just know that. Bond and Colin Firth and mm-hmm. uh, the, the scientist, yeah, from the Avengers movies. Um, weird cast, yeah, weird cast for a movie set in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Pick two very English people, and I think the other one's Swedish or Norwegian. Um, okay, so so you write this sketch either at the start of your improv life or completely on yeah i would say uh, initiate it like i would say like around that time my comedy influence was coming from the internet like it was all reddit and youtube and stuff like that so i'm like i want to make a video and i want to be internet famous yeah Uh, maybe i don't want to be the next pewdiepie uh i don't think pewdiepie was a thing back then yet yeah i don't know but like i remember like that's the thing like sketch online sketches are like the same thing as like podcasts like when you try to get someone else to like it, yeah, and then they watch it and like they don't like it, you're just like, no, check us out, no, it's cool. And then like this is awkward, four minutes, or it's a podcast, it's like ninety minutes, uh, sixty minutes. They're just like, it's like, oh, this is terrible. I I I dug myself in a hole here right now. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it wasn't until it was. Oh man, just like I was just a big old douchebag <laughs> until about like two, three years ago. Um. So so, so what starts you to do improv? Like, I mean, like, how do you find out about? You mentioned growing up in Pittsburgh, so you come to Philly. Yeah, I got I got a job government after college. Okay, and I pretty much uprooted my life, and moved here. It wasn't really good of a life to begin with, anyways. But uh, yeah, pretty boring. Milk test, I said before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and butter then, noodles. Yeah, butter, butter noodles. Uh, and then um, very, uh, I would say like if you asked any improv student why they why how they got up and did it uh i would say like nine times out of ten they were like well i was drunk and alone and i googled improv in philadelphia and then this showed up so you were drunk and alone and googled improv and then i was just like i did it yeah i'm a comedian mom (laughs) uh so uh so did you you've done the whole curriculum like with yeah so 101 who was your teacher uh caitlin weigel 201 Mike Morback. Three. Kristen Shear. Four. Kristen Shear, part two. Have you done conservatory? I I, I wasn't. No. I, I got a big no. Okay. Uh, have you done any of the sketch classes? Yeah, I did uh, 101 just recently with Jackie Baker. Uh, recently, okay. And then I did Iron Sketch. With, who was the mentor for Iron Sketch? Vince DeCostanza. DeCostanza, yeah. Yeah, you, you know Vince. Yeah, I do. Uh, I, 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 I've, I've known him a long time, and I what? still don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, when I put it. I interviewed him a couple months ago, and I've spelled his name wrong the entire time. Yeah, like so I don't. The even actual bother. like podcast interview has a, a misspelling of his name. There's so many people in this comedy scene that I know their names because of Facebook. But <laughs> I still don't know how to pronounce it. Um, do you remember what the prop was? Cardboard. 
cardboard. We what well, we did. Vince was smart, and he was like, Let, for every prop, it, every prop is made of cardboard. Right. So it was good. It was funny. Uh, and like I would say, like that was like my first time I wrote a sketch. Mm-hmm. Like that was like for the stage. Right. And uh, the sketch was because um, Vince Vince was nice. He was like, everyone writes one sketch and then put it on there. Mm-hmm. Um. My sketch was um, Senator Papa John's uh, selling a commercial. But you don't know it's Senator Papa John's until the very end. Okay. Um, uh, and from, like, a reveal, like, someone backstage goes, like, thank you, Senator Papa John's. Uh, and what it was was uh, him as, like, far-right conservative selling the dangers of not – yeah, it was, like, it was like uh, some like a far-right conservative – selling the liberal agenda mm-hmm. by like it, w- it started opening like i uh, i'm senator pop john if you don't know it's me it, and then it then uh cuts to two people one guy being a pizza delivery bait uh, uh, pizza delivery man and the other person that and the pizza box has like an aborted fetus in it and um you know like pizza i, Hut I know whatever. i've seen this i'm just trying to remember it it like. was terrible and the thing that was terrible was that um it was like this weird sketch where eventually like uh someone jumps out on stage with like um like they were wearing it like the pizza delivery was wearing like a t-shirt with like it was a press on of hillary clinton with a swastika on her forehead right and then like uh a red flag was being waved, giant red flag was waved that's like ah communism is number one and then like they had like and then then they had a a sickle and a hammer made of cardboard like i'm not crazy (laughs) and then uh and then the person backstage was supposed to say thank you senator papa johns and then didn't say it so so no one knows what the hell was that they were like what the (laughs) what garbage was that i don't understand this at all Uh, so your big reveal, your big joke is completely lost in the... Yes, that's when I learned, always, just just put the joke up top. Just just let it, just try to get the joke in uh, I, within I, that first third page. The first video that I ever tried to make, I learned that same lesson. Because, yeah. Like, I made uh, this video that I really love, and uh, I, I edited it together using old car, car commercials from other countries. So I have the footage of the car, but none of the audio. And I record my own voiceover. And the whole joke, and I'm going to do it again, I'm going to re-edit it at some point, it's the Chevrolet Chase, mm-hmm. so that the joke is that it's Chevy Chase, oh. and all the VO is just references to Chevy Chase movies. <laughs> <laughs> but, so you hear all this VO, and and it's like, yeah, it's a car commercial, and then the, and the, like the last two seconds is like, and the Chevrolet Chase, because you're not, and you're not. And I'm just like, and everyone's like, I showed it to a couple of people, and they're like, Wait, let me watch it again. Like, yeah, because <laughs> like totally when, just miss everything. As I think when you're new to comedy, you want that level of like, I'm better than the audience. Yeah. So I don't need to. Sh- I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you yeah, have the joke right I, like, at the end. I fully. I had it writing like writing it, and I was like, everyone's just gonna listen to every word, and then it's all gonna hit at the end. Like, oh my gosh. I think that's funny. Like, and then everyone I showed it to, like, wait, 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 wait. Now that I know the end, let's go through it again. And like, I was like, oh. <laughs> you get to enjoy my comedy. <laughs> so, I'm smarter than you. You didn't realize it was Chevy Chase the entire time. Yeah. And so, I knew it. So I have to re-edit and be like, hey, Chevy Chase, here's some more puns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really good. It's out there somewhere. Um, 
So, all right, improv, and you had mentioned, I know about No Ghosts. Yeah. Was that the first, like? No. I would say, like, back when I was, like, my first year being in this, quote, scene, mm-hmm. uh, I was, like, just a big old, big old douchebag. <laughs> um, very controlling. Very Like, I seen it, like, I'm, like, wise in my years of three years of comedy <laughs> but uh yeah that first year i was like a total d-bag doing uh bespelda okay. that was his first improv group and there were like 10 of us because it was a classic you yeah. know hey we took a one-on-one class all together and then let's do the yeah. improv thing we're comedians now um and there was and like i was like the self-proclaimed leader of the group because it's a big, that goes well. Big douchebag thing. Um, yeah. Like, and the thing is, and then of course there was a falling out, of course, because um, we all ended up hating each other because um, I was a douchebag, and then that made other people be douchebags, and then there was just a falling out for a year, and then we don't really even look each other in the eyes anymore. Oh, no. And it was like a battle of the sexes, too, basically, because it was like. Yeah, right, because most of Bispelda was Barbara Bush. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember that. They, yeah, that was really awkward and uh i feel still feel kind of i mean i do feel bad about it but yeah it got to the point where i wrote them a letter and i was just like fuck you guys oh no (laughs) i was so hopeful for the first part of that sentence (laughs) i was so hopeful for like i wrote them a letter to apologize a year later yeah i was just like i don't want to i don't want to ever do anything with you guys ever again oh no yeah and it was really bad uh and maybe you should write another letter no it's it's good that we're just (laughs) We don't even look at each other anymore. <laughs> oh, good. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, See, and then one and of my things about this is I don't want to be negative about like all the bad experiences, but now we just did it. Oh, yeah. No. This was bad. And then like, there was even like, a, I made like, we were at like a diner after practice one time. And then like one of them made fun of me. And then rather than be, um, a comedian and like take it with thick skin oh no i was just like mm, yeah yeah all right and then i did what everyone does nowadays i did something on the internet and then i i made a f- like four or five minute video of telling this person to go fuck themselves <laughs> and it was like so mean i showed my girlfriend this like and she's just like if you're if that was the person that i met we that that was i we wouldn't be dating I am legitimately and generally, like, genuinely uncomfortable <laughs> right now. I know. It was really bad. Like, it was really bad. Because, again, that was another part, like, where I was like, all right, first half of the sentence, he's going to, like, overthrow a table or something. Oh, no, the internet. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I was friend. Oh, there's two. Within the group, I was, I was like, besties with, like, two people in the group. It was Ricky Warner and Matt Marin. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we were, like, the, we were, like, real friends. Like, we didn't just, like, hang out. Right. When we were doing improv, like we hung out like weekends, outside like of town, yeah. And I remember, like, I was in, the, I got in the car. Ricky was driving somewhere, and then I was just like, "Dude, I did something." <laughs> he was just like, "What'd you do?" It's like I made, I made a video, and they were like, "Oh, right." I should say the absurdity of it. I, um, the entire time, I was talking to a lamp when I was telling this girl to go. Yeah, it was, it wasn't nice. Oh, it was, God. it wasn't good. But hey, guess what? Um, I then. After that falling out, I realized that um, I should be a better person, and I, I, I read some Deepak Chopra. <laughs> is, you, is it real? Like yes. And then I went, and then I went, and then still do go to therapy. 
Okay. And so then like became a better person. Because I was gonna ask, like, where does the uh, yeah, where's the, the turn from this person that's sitting in front of me right now is from douchebag Chris to not douchebag Chris or less of a douchebag Chris? Or yeah, like I don't even understand wh- whatever like, variant of. I should have been one of those people that's on that blacklist at the Philly Improv Theater. Like they're not allowed anymore. But somehow, I guess I was just too under the radar to get picked up. And then so like, and like it's crazy because then like as soon as that happened, there's like this this pause of like a few months mm. and then i s- go back to the philly improv theater to see shows and whatnot and i, got, I think it, what happened i got into a, an audition for figment for something and i ran a joe tuzzi okay joe tuzzi's like hey there's this group of people trying to get this thing together uh put this improv group together and then a few months later it finally all worked out and it was no ghosts okay and then that's how that fell in and i was also doing like a duo with elizabeth santi doing short straw okay uh, and then I became, but yeah, but like all these people that I then met in this new group, they met Chris 2.0. They did, they never met Chris 1.0. So 1.0 blows up, goes on the, like goes on the internet and then disappears for a couple months. Like, did yeah. You, did you not come to shows or? I didn't go for shows for like a month. Cause it was still like, you know, young comedian was like, Hey, I'm a comedian if I go to shows all the time. So I was at like the Philly Improv Theater, like three, four nights a right. week for that first year. Um, but then, uh, yeah, I just stopped going for like a month and then, um, they come back and then it's just like, just all sort of, uh, goes together. And it was weird too. Cause that like Bishop Elder thing, I was just like, it's such a dumb ego thing where it was just sure. like, oh man, we were like the Beatles of improv. <laughs> we just fought. We were that hot group. Cause we were like the first ones to do that launch pad thing. Yeah. And then, um. No, like, I think Bad Kid was the first one, and then, like, then it was us, but, like, I was like, yeah, people are coming to see us, and then, like, you know, all the, all the girls got on, uh, ladies, excuse me, got onto um, the house teams. Yeah. And that's what really, like, broke, broke up the group, because basically, just, like, well, none of us wanted to be around each other, and then, thankfully, the cataclysm of house teams broke us up. Hmm. All right, so No Ghosts 2.0. Mm-hmm. And I'm very zen at this time. Like, yeah. I'm like, I'm very like. Deepak has yeah. worked. Like, it's all working. cool. It's all cool. And like, basically, like with improv, there's like a, there's like a life cycle that's like really shortened. Yeah. Like you like school hard knocks really quick. So I'm like, I, I'm, I know what to do now and what to be nice about it. And like everyone that's in this group, it's like, there were like 14 people in, mm. in no kiss. Yeah. Because um, the person in charge of it, uh, Mel, she uh, she just got whoever she could, and then like it started fourteen, and then it got like all the way down to like five people. Okay, but um, yeah, um, we uh we did that, and uh, it was good, and it was really funny because like I'm seeing some of these people doing the exact same mistakes that I saw, very controlling, very wanting. Because I think like a lot of improv one on one people do that. Like there is yeah. like there's different there's there's definitely like archetypes you see in every single improv group yeah and um like in the indie one uh and uh like i saw it but i was very zen i was just like well let, let's just see what happens mm-hmm. and uh yeah it worked out pretty well we uh very good <laughs> i just kept hearing people's narrative <laughs> they were talking it's not exactly like me and i was like just please don't make an internet video of you saying fuck you to a lamp <laughs> don't do that it's not it's not good to do doesn't sound like a good idea yeah like all right so uh chris 2.0 no ghosts and how are you getting into sketch like 
uh, I think because of the falling out with Mishpelot, I wanted to like see what other avenues I could do. So I did I heard sketch around like at this time like my life starting to change like big time. Like starting to get I got girlfriend Tina. Yep. And I got like starting to do sketch, starting to meet new people, no ghosts, whatnot. And it's like it's all going well. And then oh man, like Vince, oh that dude's like that dude's awesome. Yeah. Like, like he's just like I'm glad I was pretty zen when I did it too, because like you know like you hear these horror stories when people do iron sketch where like it's like an improv one-on-one class where uh like you get a note and then that person just flips out because they got a note but then everyone was really cool it was like it was mallory rose whitney harris and this other dude i don't remember his name because he's not really in the scene that much okay but it was like four of us and then we all met vince house once a week and then it was like this um it was this awesome thing because like it's basically teaches you how to put on a show yeah you don't even realize it until it's over and the little secret is you can easily put on a 15 minute show in a week but they build it up as oh it takes a month it's yeah. like no it, it could take like four days to, from start to finish yeah but you want to get extra time to yeah rewrite but, and but like with the because it is like school hard knocks like but it's, 15 minutes is you yeah. don't really you think like it's a big deal when you see a sketch show and you have yeah no if, you, if you have the material 15 minutes is nothing yeah but you don't realize how easy it can be yeah because you get when you finally see how the sauces you've made yeah you're like oh yeah yeah just memorize what you have to say and do it you just i gotta send just an email yeah and then just put me on stage and let me say dick jokes <laughs> um so uh you mentioned no ghost and i believe we said earlier that hodge was a no ghost with you right yeah, yeah. uh so where does casey masterpiece come out of like yeah, we, we, you know, we were bounced off each other. I remember we were at, like, um, we were at, like, Joe Tuzzi has this, like, boys waffle day thing. Right. Uh, and I was, I was a little, I was a little, little, little bit drunk. <laughs> and I turned to Hodge and I was just like, hey, Hodge, yo, <laughs> we're cool, right? Like, we should, we should be friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'm like, it's like, yeah, but I mean, not like comedy stuff. Like, we should, like, hang out sometime, you know? <laughs> like, you were saying, like, before, like, with the whole, like, it's like dating. Yeah. It's weird to be, to say to somebody, hey, do you want to be my friend? Yeah. Like, because in the comedy scene, like, there's that, the improv stuff we put on that, uh, we put on the facade of intimacy mm -hmm. around people who don't want, so that way when we're on stage, a little intimacy is shown to the audience. They're like, yeah, blah, 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 whatever. I heard that from somebody else and just ripped that off. Um, but, and then, but, uh, like, especially with Bishbelda, like, I didn't, it, it, dawned, it just dawned with, like, ten people. It's just like, oh, my God, I'm only really friends with these two people. Yeah. In the group. But then, uh, yeah, when I found, I think Hodge and I knew we should work together because we like each other. Okay. Which is very hard to do, and it's like, that, like, that's the best part of collaboration is when you want to work with that person not because it can give you like a leg up in like the scene right whatever because they're awesome or funny like you genuinely want to work with that person yeah yeah i think in general i think it's either two things you have to either really like each other or be absolutely business-like yeah and make it like this is a job we'll meet together at these you know this time we'll do this we'll do this or you guys have to like or it's one or the other it's not lukewarm you can't be yeah, we uh it's funny. We we do like we do the things over emails where we write stuff, but we yeah. we definitely do 
a lead up to a show, we usually meet up on the weekends or something like that. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll like do stuff for like that. But like it's funny because like we might be hanging out for like six hours. Four of that hours is uh, us just telling dick jokes and then cooking in the kitchen <laughs> like <laughs> however like, it works like however the process works for you guys it's totally like what i i, I think i think i'm i think i'm funny but <laughs> i get more uh satisfaction from cooking okay and i do that like uh i didn't realize how much i uh, have like creative process in food more so than comedy interesting and so like what ends up happening is like what we would put on a paper kind of like the same level of feeling that i get when i'm in like the kitchen hmm I think you're the first person that's like said that to me so far. Yeah, because like I'm a little different from everyone else. <laughs> Chris 2.0. Yeah. Um, so why comedy? What what has drawn you to comedy? Like, I wanted to be the next Carlos Mencia. Yeah. Do do do. Uh, but but really. <laughs> yeah. No, because like, the thing is, down. <laughs> I think I was like working with like depression for like years. Mm. And then uh, I didn't realize it was depression until, like, therapy. But the uh, I got – I think I always wanted to get the satisfaction. I think it's just how I was raised. I want validation from people uh, and validation by making people happy, mm-hmm. like, with an audience. with Like, you know, like, with the um, – like, I basically feel like an old-school Italian mother, like – I'm in the kitchen cooking a big old bowl of pasta for all my little boys. All my little boys eating the pasta. And then they're like, oh, it's so good. I'm like, yeah, exactly that. But that was Chris 1.0. Chris 2.0 is more about, like, uh, I'm very, uh, uh, like, zen in the sense of, like, uh, what's that called? Um, not really, like, Buddhist, but definitely just uh, – I go my own path. I don't, I don't really seek validation from others. Yeah, man, I got I got like such a different wavelength when I realized that like I was always looking for that pat on the head. Yeah, from everybody. And then once I stopped wanting that, I just became a completely different person, both at work. I'm glad with my job. Like, I had that drive because then it got me to this level. Yeah. It's like yeah, but now I'm just like, man, I don't really uh, <laughs> care. Like, and it's good. So. Uh, with the comedy now, it's more like um, uh, I, w- I want to be myself on stage, and I put that out there. Um, and and you've had you know this whole story of course one one point to two point and what's something that you've learned from comedy that you would pass on oh, so much man like i wish like i could redo that first year so much because i'd probably be like miles ahead yeah where i should be now uh but yeah like don't never be an asshole even when you have the right to because it's never gonna work out for you like if yeah. someone's being a butt to you all you got to do is just let it go it's not that big of a deal um uh and uh think one of the big things that i see a lot especially with new people is they take it seriously more than it should be mm-hmm. uh when you finally when you have that sense of like uh goals like why am i doing this once you answer that question to yourself why are you doing this the sense of uh 
the super ego. Like I'm doing this to get on to a house team. I'm doing this so I can be on SNL. I'm doing yeah. this that like eventually, Hey, guess what? We're all going to die like alone <laughs> and whatever. So you might as well just enjoy the journey now and not be like, I need my status symbol. I need my thing that makes me big and famous. <laughs> it's like, guess what? It's just going to be a, it's just going to be a huge grasp of just like, uh, uh, I was always chasing something that doesn't exist. Yeah. Okay. That was deep. <laughs> it was. Because I think you're the only one that's ever really giving me, like, life. Like, yeah, like I, don't really, I don't really give a shit. Like, I'm a, not. Instead of, like. <laughs> no, because whenever I ask that question, it's, like, oh, you know, edit your stuff more. Or, like, about the actual, like, process of writing. But you actually, like, I think you're the first one that's been, like. There's so many people, like, I want to give a hug, hug to that probably look at me with bad eyes. And. Not just people on Bespelda, but like say, I mean, probably should start with. Yeah, I should, but like, you know, yeah, like, there's there's so many. I'm just I'm just very happy of what the Philly Improv Theater is because it is not that whole company member thing. That's all. Yeah. I enjoy it as an infrastructure for people to meet and then yeah. do that because it changed my life. I got a girlfriend out of it. I got, I got, I got, I got my little writing, writing buddy over yeah. here. Uh, friends that I would, uh, I would like generally want to hang out with. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, it really opened my eyes when I asked myself, why am I doing this? All right. All right. Thanks, Chris. Bye. So I forgot to ask Chris the most important question. So I asked him over email, and this is what he sent me. Who's your Who's your favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? He says, Will Forte. As a writer, he would always come up with absurd sketches that made no sense, but would always push for them. The potato chip sketch is one of my favorites. And then in his performance, he always goes to an 11 to match the absurdity of his writing. So there you have it. Will Forte. Chris McGee is one half of KC Masterpiece, who will be opening for Pleasure Blimp on February 23rd and 24th, 8.30 p.m. at Philly Improv Theater. Go to fitcomedy.com for tickets and more information. And then the following weekend, the Bechdel Test Fest returns to Christ Church Neighborhood House. The shows start at 7 p.m. on Friday, March 3rd, and 1 p.m. on Saturday, March 4th. There, you'll see sketch acts such as the 19th, Cups and a Half, Catherine and Sarah, Youth Large, Manny Petty, and a ton of other improv groups and stand-ups as well. Go to BechdelFest.com for more information. My first sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at Philly Sketch Fest or on Twitter at PHL Sketch Fest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly in general, head to WaterCooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at NonoBand.com bandcamp.com of course like my first sketch on facebook check out myfirstsketch.com for any of the videos that we talk about this is josh hyam thanks for listening go see some comedy